coming up next on to a new RFM, Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard joining me, Jane Klein. And we're going to be looking at building a diversified investment portfolio. We're also looking at listed investment companies and ETFs. And if you don't know what that is, stay tuned. We'll have our market snapshot with Henry Jennings as well from Marcus Today Financial Newsletter and see what's happening with currencies and commodities. Stephen Pritchard, Westpac's come out today and has said that they're putting their lending rate up, their interest rates up. Yeah, West, Westpac said that they're going to increase their home loan and their investment rates by um, 20 basis points or by 0.2%. Um, basically, what's happening is um, the the the, the the big four banks and, and Macquarie are, are going to have to raise additional capital to meet the new capital requirement rules and um, someone's going to have to pay for that um, to service that capital and Westpac's also announced an increase in dividends so that the obvious place that that's going to come is from increasing interest rates that they're going to charge their borrowers. Is that uh, borrowings on every every kind of borrowing? Uh, I've only seen that they're talking about home loans and both investment loans and um, owner-occupied homes. Right, okay. And are other banks likely to do the same thing? Oh, I think you'll see that, that, that they'll all follow. They'll all, or they'll all want to maintain their profit margins, so I think you'll find that they'll all, um, all increase their rates over the next few months. So we can't just sit back and hope for a rise on our deposit interest rates. I, well. I don't think there was any mention of a rise on the deposit rates. I think it was just uh, the lending rates going up. Mm. But but you know you, if you shop round you can you can get it's surprising there's a big variation in deposit rates. Um, if if you shop round you you'll, you'll easily generally pick up another half a percent or or, or a 1%. Um, some of the smaller institutions are, are offering um uh, a lot higher rates, and remember that you know, up to two hundred and fifty thousand. The smaller institutions have the still have the government guarantee, so there's no problem if you're worried about security and putting money into the smaller institutions up to two fifty. Okay, so the banks think they need more money. Uh, the bank needs the bank needs more money to pay their shareholders larger dividends <laughs> to, to fund their retirements. <laughs> Okay, so I think Henry's going to have a bit to say about that as well. <laughs> Look forward to that. In the meantime, what about the commodities market? Uh, the commodities yeah, markets, well, we yeah, oh, no, 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 well, well, yeah, no, really basically the same. That's not going to fund anyone's retirement. Uh, um, the, the gold price was up 1.18% on the week, um, which, which, um, which um, is really near the here nor there to six hundred and six dollars an ounce. Uh, Australian dollars. The silver price was down by point nine two, which is twenty two dollars and six. Um, the copper price, which is good to see, the copper price was actually at one point two one percent, which is to seven thousand two hundred ninety six dollars an ounce. And copper is generally regarded as a lead indicator of economic activities around the world. So the fact that it's been factored even it's gone up a little bit compared to the continual fall over the, uh, the, the last few weeks I would have thought it's positive um, but um, the tin price unfortunately went down 2.5% to $21,985 a tonne so you'd have to say the commodities um, you know the results were mixed for the week. Um, the currency um, the, the Australian dollar um, was also mixed but there's not really much movement I mean we're, the last week was 72 US cents, and this week we're 73 US cents. We're up about uh, half, half a percent, so not really much. Um, we're down about the Great British Pound of 40, 47 pence, and we're da- down against the U- 
New Zealand dollar to a dollar seven, and the euro cents. There's a Jane and I've discovered it's euro cents. Um, we're down to sixty three euro cents compared to sixty four last week. So there, there's not real much change. But but like we mentioned before, it's expected that the Australian dollar will continue to fall over the medium to long term. So so those people who are thinking of going on an overseas holiday um, um, might think about buying some currency. Um, forward and w- when you're buying currency, you, you know you want to shop around for that as well. Um, the, the the currency, and it's not only the commission that's charged. You need to look at the actual rate that you're quoted because when you're buying currency, you, you're not buying off a central market. You're buying off the actual institution, and each institution can set what they sell the currency for. And I know in Hamilton, if you just walk along the street, there's a couple of institutions have boards out the front and there's a big variation in the US dollar rate so, mm. so just do a little bit of work there. And some of them have a fairly narrow spread but the difference between their buy sell and their their mm. buy rate and their sell rate don't they? Yeah, yeah. And some of them have a big spread and some of them don't. That's right so the, each institution um, sets their own but I have generally found on, on my few travelling adventures um, the f- closest you get to the airport the worse foreign exchange deal it's actually done so, so generally if you're stuck at the airport and you need some local currency to pay for the taxi, I'd only change just enough to pay for the taxi. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> yep. Now, what about the um, the indices? The, uh, the markets were basically not much movement around the week. The, the oil earnings was was um, pretty steady at two thousand at five thousand two hundred thirty, and it was five thousand two hundred twenty eight last week. So no no material change. Uh, the Dow Jones was sixteen thousand nine hundred twenty four this week, and sixteen thousand nine hundred twelve last week. Um, the Hang Seng, which is the Hong Kong index, um, was 22,439 um, compared to 22,515 last week. So there's, there's no real change of the markets, no great movement, some pretty much steady. Um, uh, the WEX Texas Intermediate Crude was was down um, 2.6 on the week, uh, 2.6%, down to $64.60 per barrel Australian dollars. Um, so, so the oil price has, has fallen a bit. Um, and then the petrol price at the Bowser, and we're going to have someone on from NRMA to talk to us about the difference between Sydney and Newcastle petrol prices when, when Cole gets back from overseas in a Excellent. couple of weeks. So we'll look forward to that. Um, and Jane will have all sorts of questions. And the Newcastle price for unleaded, was, which, which is, I'm just looking, this is amazing. The Newcastle price for unleaded is $1.29 a litre, and the Sydney price is $1.33 a litre. So Newcastle was down 3% on the weekend, Sydney was up 9%. So, so work that out. Mm. And and the diesel, diesel um, Newcastle's the same as last week, a dollar twenty nine a litre, and Sydney's very much similar, dollar twenty four a litre. So, so we're, we're, I don't ever remember that the petrol price in Newcastle has been cheaper than Sydney. Very occasional. Very occasional. This is a red letter week. Red letter week. <laughs> to a new RFM, twenty three past twelve, and it's time for our market snapshot and. Uh, well, Henry Jennings is um, otherwise engaged right at the moment. Stephen Pritchard, let's get started on Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners. And uh, baby bunting shares, we've, they seem to be doing pretty well. Have they just but, listed recently? Yes, baby bunting listed on the on the market yesterday. Um, they came on at, um, uh, at the close day 44% up on the initial offer price. At one stage, they're up um, over 50%. Um, so baby bunting is a... A, 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 as the name would suggest, it, it sells um, all things that new babies require, and it's got 30 stores um, currently, and it's proposed to um, roll out 
uh, another 40 over the next five years. I mean, it, um, I, I think the, the, the demand for the stock on the listing kind of surprised everyone. I, I wouldn't have expected that it would come on at a premium like that. Yeah. Ah, so that's so interesting. People are thinking there's going to be more of a baby boom, I suppose. Baby boom, they? yeah. Is it normal for shares to go up such a percentage when they're being um, it, it, It's not unknown, but, but, but uh, in a retail, specialty retailer, um, you know, previously owned by private equity, um, I think everyone was surprised that there was such demand for those shares. Um, so are people going to sell them again now or now that they've made a quick killing? Oh, well, you know, it depends, <laughs> it depends why you originally bought them and it depends who you bought them. Um, and, of course, the other thing that's coming on, uh, Link Market Services is um, listing towards the end of next week, I think, and there's been a strong demand for stock for that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes on at a small premium as well, but I wouldn't expect 44%. Mm, okay, now Westpac, we spoke a little We spoke about <laughs> Westpac increasing their interest rates. Yeah, Westpac's increased their interest rates on home loans um, and, and uh, in investment property loans. And, and this is all to do with um, the new capital rules that are coming in, Basel Three rules that are coming in, where the banks... Uh, that banks have to increase their their uh, capital aggregacy ratio to ensure a safer banking system. So Westpac's also announced that it, it's going to raise about three billion dollars in a, a a new share issue. And of course, when you issue new shares, you've got to you've got to be able to pay um, the dividends on those. So Westpac's trying to um, fund the payment of the dividends by increasing the, their interest rate. Now, on an average home loan, this is going to cost the average home loan. Um, whatever Westpac's average home loan is, I'm not sure, but the average home loan they're talking about $10 per week. Now, um, that's $520 a year. It's not a, not an inconsiderable amount of Mm. Not an inconsiderable amount money. of money. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, three cappuccinos a week, Jane. Um, but, but yeah, as we <laughs> that's spoke, how you make it up. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we spoke about before. How little things can be things. Yeah, so it's not a, not an inconsiderable amount of money. And Westpac's also announced they expect to increase their dividend next year. So they're they're they're, they're obviously just. Um, increasing the rates to, uh, to to maintain their levels of earnings per share with the new shares being issued. So these requirements to have a, a more solid capital base, mm-hmm. is, is that designed to be ahead of the next crash that might happen globally, the next GFC? Um, yeah, it's basically the, the, uh, supposedly implementing the lessons um, in the banking history that were learned out of the GFC. And mm-hmm. one of the things was that the banks need to be... Um, uh, strongly capitalised, and and the big four banks in Australia, um, because they're um, what, there's a term um, strategically significant financial institutions or some similar term have to hold more capital to ensure that they don't get into financial difficulties. Mm, okay, ah right. Well, turning thing we're talking about figures. Uh, the former head of the Australian Bureau of Statistics has um, had some accusations made some accusations. Yes, the former head of the Australian Bureau of Statistics has basically (laughs) said that the job numbers that the ABS is publishing are are just rubbish and people should ignore them in simple terms. He said that, you know, they changed the process that they had last year and they had a stringent process of verifying the information that was collected to to calculate the job statistics and that's all been abandoned and he's on the front page of the financial review saying basically the the statistics should uh, be ignored. Um, one would hope that he's not right, but um, it would be interesting to see the response that comes from the ABS and the government because a lot of government decisions are made as a result of uh, statistics that ABS has collected and we would hope that they're 
ribus, ribus, ribusly collected <laughs> and <scrutinized>. correlated. <laughs> So um, yeah, uh, we often think that um, they uh, they do sort of put a whole pile of people into study programs so that they don't appear on the unemployment list. Um, is, is that the sort of thing we're talking about? Oh, I think so. And then how, how do you, how do you, and, and there's all sorts of things about how you define unemployment. I, I remember. Um, and the similar type of things applies. There was a new um, uh, executive put in charge of the uh, the state rail authority, and all of a sudden the um, the, the trains running on time um, increased dramatically because what he re- did was redefined what on time meant. So if it was there within five minutes of the scheduled time, it became running on time. So it's the same with this. I mean, how do you define unemployment? Is someone unemployed who works uh, three hours a week? Or do you have to work thirty-seven hours a week? So, so by changing the underlying definitions, you can you can get what answer you want. So, I, I don't actually know what he's completely talking about, but um, it'd be interesting to see what comes out. This is Thursday Finance for our sponsor Pritchard and Partners, and Stephen Pritchard standing in and uh, oh, doing a wonderful job in the market snapshot. Although we may in fact have Henry Jennings coming along in just a little while. Um, but uh, until he does, Stephen Pritchard, um, let's take a look at um, pizzas. Ah, <laughs> uh, Domino's. We D- think about Domino's on. makes pizzas, um, and it's, Domino's is is one of these companies that they're kind of on below the horizon, and all of a sudden they they seem. You look at them again; they're quite big. I mean, the share price of Domino's was was over forty five dollars this week. So anyhow, what they've done is they've announced they're they're acquiring a pizza chain in uh, France. Yes. Yeah, so in, in France, and, and they're looking for other acquisitions around the world. And Domino's is, is introducing some interesting technology. My son was, son was showing him the other, me the other day when he's ordered this pizza. You can actually track the pizza delivery on your iPhone. Um, they show you when it leaves the the leaves the, um, the the shop, and you can track it on the iPhone as it's coming towards your house. And I, I just think that's amazing. Yes, it certainly is. Now, um, I'm thinking we might have Henry on the phone. No, we haven't got Henry on the phone. We seem to have lost him. So We've lost Henry. We've lost so him. we haven't lost our pizza. With, with this technology, which, which on your iPhone, you order your pizza on your iPhone, and then you can track it as it's delivered to your house. No, so you know exactly yes. where your pizza is. So so Domino's is introducing this um, technology across their, their, their um, shops in Australia, and I imagine they're going to start to introduce it in, in France and these other overseas locations where they're buying pizza businesses. Okay, now I am hopeful we've got Henry. Is that a Henry? It is. A we've got a Henry. How are you? Good. We've just been talking about Domino's pizza tracking ability. Oh, how good's Domino's? Yes. The share price is fantastic. Upside. <laughs> oh, Henry? I think Henry might have problems at his end with the phone. And um, that would, yeah, okay. Um, well, I. Anyhow, we'll, 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 we'll. Technology is a wonderful thing. Wonderful and it's thing. Nice it's when it's it just as interesting to see. Um, and anyhow, we'll go on to uh, something to have with your pizza <laughs> yes. is um, wine. So, Treasury Wines Estates is in the process of selling some of their non alcoholic businesses to Diageo. Um, now, look, I'm going to just take a punt. Is that Henry? It is, again. Yes. Let's try again. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we're now on to the wine, which we're all going to need, I think. Um, if, oh, well, that goes well with pizza. Yeah, that's just what we said. <laughs> so, so, so what's happening with uh, Treasury Wine, Henry? 
Well, they're uh, they're buying one of the businesses from Diageo. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, toing and froing going along in the uh, the alcohol sector at the moment, um, and they're picking up one of uh, Diageo's businesses, and they're raising some money in the market, which is a good thing, um, I guess, if they're buying the right right assets, and um, they're going to continue to push. I guess into Asia, they've been very successful in in terms of pushing their premium products into Asia. And there's uh, also a question about whether they would split their business into two um, and have a separate sort of company which is just dealing with the premium brands and a different company that's actually going to be dealing with the more uh, everyday brands. But uh, but whatever Michael Clark's doing, he's doing a good job at the moment. They've yet to uh, to come back on trading after announcing a rights issue to fund this purchase from Diageo. But um, certainly looks an interesting story, continuing success story for uh, for Treasury Wine Estates. Well, it's been a long time coming, though. It's been a long time. Well, coming. it has been a long time coming, and um, I guess it's 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 all about the sort of the burgeoning middle class in China with their appetite for the sort of clean and green and premium quality brands. Um, it has been a long time coming, I have to say. Um, you know, certainly when they bought um, now this is all the old Penfolds and mm. South Corp kind of. Stuff and they, they didn't really do a particularly good job of integration. There was a lot of wine around. They were having some serious competition. They really weren't sort of positioning themselves in the marketplace as they should have done. Um, but since Michael Clark's taken over, um, you know he's um, he's done a pretty pretty good job. The stock was languishing around sort of three sixty four bucks, um, and now here we are at um, six dollars fifty. So um, it's um, he's done a great job. That's excellent. And speaking of raising money, BHP is talking about raising three billion in a in a hybrid um, debt issue or hybrid yeah, I mean, equity issue. Is this this? Um, oh, well, I'm, I'm struggling at the moment. I have to say, I'm struggling at the moment to understand some of the some of the weird things that are going on in the financial markets. Um, we saw yesterday Westpac um, raise their dividends yet ask shareholders for more money. Um, we've seen U.S. companies like Johnson Johnson um, borrow money to conduct a buyback for shares, and we're seeing BHP, um, which has been um, pushing dividends further and further up, despite the fact that the profits are going further and further down. Um, whereas in the good times, they were not paying very good dividends, and the profits were going skyward. Um, so as a result, they're raising, or well, they're looking to raise three billion dollars in what they call a hybrid debt raising in the U.S. Um, this is to U.S. Um, U.S. investors. Um, they've just had a roadshow in Europe and the U.S. and Asia, and um, yeah, I guess this this will give them some ammunition in their war chest if they want to go out buy something. Um, and there certainly has been some rumours in the press that they may be on the acquisition trail, given the state of uh, other commodity miners, and we've seen that with companies like Glencore selling off assets. So there might be a chance for them to pick up something good in these distressed times. But uh, as I say, it's strange that uh, BHP mm. were very, um, were, 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 had very um, very long pockets and very short arms when the resource boom was in full flight. And now that um, the share price is under pressure, um, they've decided they're going to start paying higher and higher dividends. So. Mm-hmm. Very strange. Very strange. Mm. And speaking of share prices under pressure, uh, there's a couple of uh, stocks that, for which there's been takeovers for the last in the last week is uh, Cardinal and Coffee. And, and do you think that's some bargain purchases? The mining services industry is starting to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the mining services sector has been absolutely decimated. I guess in recent years, and stocks like Cardinal 
have uh, you know they've come down from eight bucks to to two dollars eighty. So um, it, it's been a horror ride for shareholders in this uh, in these sorts of stocks. But at least there are some some kind of vulture funds now appearing on the on the horizon, um, and we're seeing you know a few people um, looking to buy shares. Cardinal have already got quite a big shareholder. Um, and this uh, shareholder wants to buy uh, some more shares in, in the company to uh, to basically get control. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting, but um, long way to run. I guess Crescent Capital is the uh, the people that are looking to increase their uh, control over Cardno. Um, the management has said no. Um, they don't really think that they should be allowed to, uh, or the shareholders should have let them um, Gain control without paying a substantial premium for the stock, which at the moment they're 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 not doing. So um, yeah, they're, they're still sort of flatlining. Although they are better than the two dollars thirty they got to recently. So. Mm-hmm, yeah. And and the other company that's had a few problems too is there's also a takeover offer on the table for Iselect now. Uh, yeah, Iselect, interesting stock. Iselect, I have to say, we we saw them uh, a few years ago. We had management when the uh, the new guy took over, and he's done a pretty good job. There were some issues um, with Iselect, or well, there've always been actually issues with Iselect in terms of how their uh, their accounting practices treat um, some of their income, um, and that did put them under a little bit of a cloud. The company's got a heap of cash. It's got a pretty good position in the market. They've obviously spent a lot of money on marketing over the years as the goofy guy on TV. I'm sure listeners will uh, will, will recognise that as the brand. Um, and the stock's done pretty well under the new CEO. Um, unfortunately, he's leaving. Um, and as a result of him leaving, or maybe as a result of uh, someone trying to buy the company, he's leaving. But uh, they've had an approach from from private equity. Um, there's um, it's a non-binding one of these non-binding. Let's have a look at your books kind of approaches. Um, and there's no certainty that anything will happen. But the board is obviously looking at it at the moment. So um, we shall see what happens. But uh, certainly, I think they're going to have to pay more than the dollar seventy they currently are. Um, I think there's some talk in the market they may have to pay up to two dollars. But uh, we shall see. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a fair increase from where it was, and so yeah, yeah. It's I mean they they got down to well in the bad old days they got down to around a dollar dollar ten, but uh, they've recently been around the sort of dollar fifty mark before they were approached by this private equity company uh, for the business. But they have got quite a lot of cash, good brand, um, and it's you know it's it's a complicated sector. I guess they're operating in in terms of uh, comparing the market with the meerkats, um, also. Um, biting at their tail. So um, it is a complicated market, health insurance and all the various other products they do. They have got a good platform and they spent a lot of money on technology. So uh, this looks a little opportunistic and I think they're going to have to pay a higher price. Ah, okay. Well, thanks for that, Henry. And um, readers might be interested, listeners might be interested to know that you can get a trial subscription to Henry's Marcus today for 14 14 days, isn't it, Henry? By just going on yep. to registering on the website, and they'll also give you Henry's daily comments. Yes, <laughs> for, what for what they're worth. I'm sure they're worth. I'm sure they're worth. So, yes. anyhow. And we have the weekly comments, of course. We've got the weekly comments, and oh, now they can get the daily and comments. Weekly, and the weekly comments when the phones work properly. Oh, well, that's all right. That's, that's a Telstra issue. <laughs> I'm that's so right. pleased we conquered the phones. Thank you, Henry. Thanks, Henry. Talk to you later. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Bye. Have a good week.
Wow. This is Thursday Finance, and um, we're happy to have your calls. If you've got a question you'd like to put to Stephen Pritchard today, something to do with your investments or the stock market or taxation, any of that sort of thing, then give us a call on 49216216. This is Thursday Finance with a quick check of the weather first for our sponsor, Snap Freeze, your Dakin air conditioning service specialists. What's well, sunny this afternoon? That's as simple as it goes. And 26 degrees at Hamilton at the moment. Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard, we've asked if you have a call to put through to 49216216. And from Soldiers Point, Andrew's rung in. Andrew. Andrew. Hi, Stephen. Um, Stephen, I wanted to ask you about interest rate securities. They're only ever published in the FIN. There's three types that I was interested in, the hybrid securities, the floating rate notes, and the convertible notes. Mm-hmm. Now, they have a CPN, which I assume stands for coupon rate. Yep. Stephen, is that coupon rate tax paid or net or gross of tax? Uh, it's, it's what the company pays. It's, got, it's, it's, no, it's nothing... It's Gross. It's just got nothing to do with um, um, tax. That's it's what you would get the check for, in effect. Yes, and then after, so do they don't you know, they don't take the tax off it. No, 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 no. So, so, so you need to have a look at that. Now, mm. this is where this is where you need to be careful. Is that the the <laughs> the, the the rates for hybrids, if they're structured as a kind of a preference share. Yes. Um, yep. you, you would need to take into account the franking credits, if there's any, to gross up, to get to your gross yield number. Okay, now a lot of the, the bank hybrids are structured as preference shares. Yep. Okay, yep. now there are there are some that, like the you know, BHA, um, there's no franking credits applicable to. So you need to look at, um, you need to be a bit more careful and have a look at um do a bit of investigation and make sure you work out whether there's franking credits there or not. How do you tell, Stephen? I mean, I can't tell in the headings going across the columns. No, you, you'd have to. Uh, what you'd have to do is is to get the original. Um, um, uh, go onto the ASX website yeah. and, and um, have a look at the original terms of issue of those uh, securities. Right. right? Yep. Um, uh, and, 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 and or, or ask your broker; they'll know. So, so, so you need to the the ones that are preference shares are generally grossed up. So the dividend that's showed or the yield that's shown in the paper will will be higher. Yep. And then you have to pay tax on it. Yeah. Thank you. I'll okay. now listen to see about, about building a portfolio. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew, for your call. And if you've got a a question that might require a complicated answer, then give us a call, 49216216, and Stephen will talk through it for you. So uh, we're looking at building a diversified investment portfolio. Uh, Simple ways of building a a diversified portfolio is is to use um, um, managed investments now. the, the two the two easiest ones probably are a listed investment company. Now they're basically a company that's listed on the stock exchange, which invests in in other companies, and, and you get a portfolio. The the two largest in Australia are um, Australian Foundation Investment Company, which started in 1928, and Argo, which started in 1945. Now over the longer term, they will track the um, give you a return similar to the. Um, 
the share market, or, or in their case, have been marginally better than the share market. Um, so you can you can buy those by by just ringing your broker and, and putting an order to buy some shares in in um, Argo or Affic. And then the other way, the other easy way to do that is to do with things called exchange traded funds. And exchange traded funds are, are basically a managed investment scheme that also invests in. Um, um, other companies now. Managed investment schemes are, are sorry, exchange traded funds. There's different exchange traded funds. There's ones that track the index. There's ones so that there's an ASX uh, 200 exchange traded fund which you, you could compare to um, the Argo and the Affix of the world. And there's others that track the top two, uh, the top 20. And there's some that just track financial stocks. And there's some just track um, various other se- healthcare stocks and various other sectors of the market. Um, and there are also some that track overseas um, investments, such as the S&P 500. So when you say they track these uh, indices, these markets, um, then what do they actually do? Do they see which companies are within, say, the yeah, ASX? Yeah, so, so, so basically if you, if you, go, if you gave um, um, the, ASX the ASX 200 um, ETF, um, so when you give some money to the fund manager or buy some units in the fund, the fund actually buys a proportional interest in those 200 stocks. So, so, so the fund will actually track the return on those 200 stocks, less, less whatever management fees they charge. And if the companies within those 200 change, do they also they, they, change They, they change them. So, so, so at all, well, all times apart from you know, changes in the index, which you might not be able to do instantly, they, those stocks will track the, will track the index. Mm, this is Thursday. Oh, have we finished with? We haven't, have we? We haven't. No, well, no. okay. Been- so, so one of the interesting things you need to watch out is at various times, um, you're better off buying either the listed investment companies or the exchange traded funds. Now, the exchange traded funds generally tend to trade pretty close to a net tangible asset, but the listed investment companies will trade um, just on the supply and demand for the shares. Now, at the moment, the listed investment companies are trading significant 20% plus premiums to their net tangible assets. So if you were going to start today, you'd be better off buying the exchange traded funds because you're paying 20% or so above the asset backing to buy into the listed investment companies. Mm-hmm. Right? But at other times... Other times, the, the listed investment companies will trade below the NTA, and it's those times you'd be better off buying into the listed investment companies rather than the exchange-traded funds because you're buying things for less than they're really worth. Mm, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's a simple way to... A simple way of uh, getting a, a diversified portfolio across two or 300 stocks, um, basically set and forget strategy, um, Buy these, put them in the bottom drawer if you don't want to manage anything, and all you've got is, um, you know, a dividend slip to one dividend to return on your um, tax return each year. Ah, uh, that's uh, that's an attractive feature. Yes, except except it's becoming more um, automated. The tax office is starting to pre-fill more and more information on your tax returns, so a lot of the dividends are are, are showing up um, on your tax returns now. Are they? Yeah. Uh, the dividends from your listed. Investments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the share registers are sending the um, uh, sending the data to the tax office. And there's a thing called a pre-fill report, okay. and um, it shows um, all your interest or 
all your interest. Um, most of your dividends, um, most of your distributions for managed funds, um, and they're already on the on, on your tax return there. Now, you, you, there is a warning from the tax office that you can't rely on it and you still need to check it, but most of the time it's pretty accurate to, what, to what's coming from the dividend statements. So is that for uh, things that have already had franking credits? Yep, they're all there. Um, uh, now, you just need to be careful because the the as the year goes on, the data gets progressively better. So so on the 1st of July, um, there's probably no data if you do this thing called a pre-fall report, whereas the end of July, there's probably all the data. And, then you know, if people have got um, in, um, managed investment shares such as um, listed Westfield Trust and stuff, you don't get the dividend statement or the distribution tax statements till you know, September. So the tax office data's not going to be up to date Right, so it won't be complete for yeah. those companies. But, but by the time you get to this time of the year, 90% of the data is already there and we just basically print it out and sit down with the client and just, just check off to make sure there's none missing. So do you have to be special to leave your tax form until this time of the year? Um, you have to. There's a, various tax agents have got um, lodgement programs and provided they comply with those, um, um yeah, I mean, our first lodgement deadline's the end of October, but I, but I, uh, but I think um, the normal person can lodge their tax returns up to the end of October, can't they? Look, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, so, so I, I don't know because I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you've got to the end of October to lodge your tax return just to, just if you do it yourself. Yes. Um, but if you go through a, an accountant, you've definitely got to the end of October. In a lot of cases, up to to. Uh, March and, and May next year. It's amazing how that spreads through the year, that lodging of tax forms. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just to, to spread the work out. It just couldn't possibly be done. Mm. Um, but, but, it's, but, but the data the tax office is getting is becoming more and more accurate and there's more and more data. And, and next year they're proposing to, um, to um, put in um, land tax or land land transactions from the various um, state government land registries are supposedly going to be um, put into the tax office and, and they're going to data match on that. And from the 1st of July 2016, um, they're actually going to... They're supposed to be getting um, share transactions as well. So that if you're buying and selling shares... Um, you want to be careful that uh, you start that they're being declared on your tax return because once the data matching process gets in a full swing, you're going to be caught. Mm. If you do the wrong thing. If you, you do the wrong yes. thing, yes. Right. Well, that's Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. Catch this program on podcast through our website, 2 com.